1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you, that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. Well, I'd like to invite Jason up now. Jason, you've already been introduced. Well, you weren't in the building. I promise I said mostly nice things. We're so glad you're here. Over to you. Good evening, everyone, and uh, it's a great joy and privilege to be able to share fellowship with each of you uh, this afternoon. I always look forward to come and share God's Word. It is a privilege. Uh, before I do that uh, this, this evening, just a, a brief word. Um, as a chaplain at the hospital, I've, uh, over the last three years, um, am involved really daily uh, with people who are dying. And certainly that includes Christians and non-Christians. One of my observations is that when people are dying, some of the things they are looking for are these. People are seeking comfort in the midst of pretty deep grief. They're looking for hope. Something beyond death. People are asking questions about meaning. What does life mean now that I'm going to die? What, what has life been all about? And people seek rest. Rest from the pain, the suffering, the burden that comes with dying. And I have a great privilege to be with people in that space. But I, I started to consider, you can't um, preach full sermons to a patient as they're dying. It um, doesn't work that way. And I've often had, had this desire to be able to give patients something that might help them to see that the hope and the comfort and the rest we seek is found in Christ. And he answers the questions of meaning in the face of death. So prayerfully, um, I thought I would put together a little booklet with a purpose of giving that to people, both Christians who are dying, but also their loved ones who are grieving. Um, and so... Um, it's just been published, it's called Be Still My Soul. It's a little booklet that, that's the intention. It's, in, it's to give to Christians who are dying or their loved ones, but also for non-Christians who want to know the reason for the hope the Christian has in death. Um, I've brought some copies along if you'd like to take one. Um, they're, they're at a back table. They are, we've done it as a giveaway, it's to give to people. Um, it's brief because I think it needs to be. Um, I try to make it concise. 
and what it is, uh, it's really it's the four sermons in this series put into a book, but certainly changed to be more readable. So if you'd like one of those, I've left um, ten copies with you, um, and if uh, particularly if you know someone who would value that sort of input, um, please feel free. Um, let me lead you very briefly in prayer. Father, we thank you that your word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And, and Lord, living in this dark world, we desperately need your light in an ever-increasing now. Father, may your word today be that light which strengthens us in the hope, the certain hope, that you have so generously and wonderfully given to each one of us in Christ. And may that hope be more real for us this evening now than it was when we first arrived. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've witnessed the weeping wife whose husband has abandoned her. I've witnessed the weeping businessman who's lost his business. I've witnessed the weeping criminal who's lost his freedom. I've witnessed the weeping cancer patient as they come to terms with the uncertainty of life. I've witnessed the weeping widow grieve the loss of a husband of 67 years. And I've witnessed countless weeping daughters and sons as they watch the coffin of their mothers and fathers descending to the ground. Out of all the grief that I've witnessed, none is greater than that which that is experienced through death. John Stott, a wonderful Christian writer, he's so right when he says that to lose a loved one is to lose a part of oneself. Not only is the pain of grief ever so deep, there seems to be no cure. Uh, I was with my uh, wife Elizabeth in Hobart and we were shopping and we entered this gift store. Uh, the owner was a very lovely lady and we struck up a very warm conversation. It was a delight. And during this conversation, the owner shared with us that her daughter had died. Uh, when, uh, when somebody shares that with me, I don't want to avoid talking about the death of their loved one. So I leaned into her pain and asked her, what was your daughter's name? And at that moment, tears just whirled up in her eyes. And she said her name was Lorraine. She then told me that her daughter died 20 years ago. The pain of grief may lessen over time, but while ever we live upon this earth, it is always there, isn't it? And the pain we experience in our grief, it moves us to look for hope. We want to hold on to something that will help us through our deep and painful grief. My observation is most people try to find hope through sentiments like this. My loved one is looking down from above. Or, they are with me in spirit. 
You might remember in his election uh, victory speech, Anthony Albanese said, To my mum, who's beaming down on us, thank you. Now, there's no doubt they are lovely sentiments. But that's all they are. They are feelings that do not rest on certainty. But because the pain of grief is so deep, we hold on to such feelings as if they're based on fact. Now, such sentiments for a time may make us feel better, but the hope they promise never seems that certain. Our secular society is beginning to re recognise the inadequacies, inadequacies of the Western world's approach to death and grief. And it's offering its solution. Uh, there is a movement that began in America. It's now come to Australia. You may have heard of it. It's called Death Positive. The aim of this movement is to bring death out of the shadows and into the light. The Death Positive movement believes that normalising death will help us deal with fear and grief better. Right? But is it possible to normalise death? Right? You can try, but what you end up doing is you start to devalue life. Right? Because if we follow the Death Positive movement and believe that death is a natural friend to be embraced, Right? rather than an unnatural enemy to be overcome, then death becomes a valid therapeutic option, you know, alongside other options to help us deal with the problems of life. This is just an aside, but you have to ask the question, how is it possible for a community or a society to believe that abortion right, and, and euthanasia are actually good for us socially and upbuilding for our society and, 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 and therapies that we really should embrace because they're so helpful in our lives. How do you come to that point? Right? Well, if death is a friend to embrace rather than an enemy to overcome, why not use it as a therapy? Now, in Australia, there are two psychologists whose life work has focused on death anxiety. They are actually acknowledged as leaders in the field. They have co-written a book called Mortals, How the Fear of Death Has Shaped Human History. In their book, and, and, and by the way, a very, very influential book, they are arguing for a, select, a secular rather than a religious solution to fear and the grief we experience through death. Now, let me give you a quote from their book. This is a quote. Accept your mortality... Enjoy each moment you have and learn to embrace the reaper. He is not grim, but comes to give you rest and to make room for another. Now, the Menzies say that quote is a take-home from their book. They argue that nothing awaits us after death. They argue that belief in life after death is a futile attempt to kind of alleviate the fear of death. So the secular solution they're presenting is neutral acceptance. That is, death is neither good nor bad and it leads to rest. The great problem with their view is this. 
how can the grim reaper give you rest is, if death is a state of non-existence? But rest is something you experience, isn't it? It's felt, it's enjoyed, it's a blessing, it's good, it's rich. It fills us with joy. You experience rest. If we don't exist after death, then we cannot experience rest. And death cannot be or lead to a positive experience. To quote a very helpful doctor in our congregation, your congregation that is. They also argue that the fear of death and the pain of grief can be soothed by the knowledge that in death we make room for the next generation. Kind of like a... Um, it's a good environmental option, isn't it? Right? I'm the chaplain at the LGH, as you know, and rarely does a day go by where I'm not holding the hands of the sick and the dying. How do you think someone would feel if I took them by the hand and said, Jan, don't worry about dying. Take heart. Your death is making room for the next generation. What hope does that give or comfort? So if sentiment and secularism is unable to provide hope or help in our grief, the question you ought to ask me is what can? I only have one answer. The Lord Jesus Christ. He provides hope in abundance. It's his help in death that answers our need for hope for the Christian. Let me reread to you the first uh, few verses of uh, uh, um, Thessalonians chapter 4, rather, verse 13. Let me read to you verses 13 and 14. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now, did you notice that the Apostle Paul describes death as those who have fallen asleep? Sleep is a euphemism for death, and it's used by, used by Paul. He's very purposeful because it, it, it's telling us that the Christian dead are actually alive. For the Christian, death is like sleep, right? You go to sleep at night and you wake up in the morning. That's what he's saying death is like for the Christian. You, you, de you, you wake up from death like we wake up from a night's sleep, and not after a period of time, but instantly after the moment of death. Was not that the, ex the experience of a criminal who was executed alongside Jesus? Do you remember what he says? That criminal says, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's just inside, but what a wonderful act of faith. Jesus' answer, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, Paul's point in Thessalonians is that the Christian dead are alive, which means that the separation that we experience with our sisters and brothers in Christ through death is temporary. See, the day will come, my brothers and sisters, when you'll be reunited with those loved ones who love Jesus and who have died. Together, 
we will be with the Lord Jesus enjoying the blessings of the new heavens and the new earth. That's why the Apostle Paul can say to the Thessalonians that while they grieve, their grief is not without hope. There is much grief in death. But for the Christian, it is not void of hope. The certain hope that the Christian dead are alive and one day we will meet them in glory. Just a word here, Christian hope, it's hard to describe because secular hope is very different. Let me give you an example. I hope Australia beat the Indians at the next cricket game. Right? That has a sense of uncertainty, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Christian hope is far different. It's being certain of what you don't yet have. The certain hope that the Christian dead are alive and that one day we'll be with them. This is why Christian grief is not characterised by despair, but with the expectation that one day the pain of separation will be replaced by the joy of reunion. Friends, this is such good news. It is this good news in Christ that gives hope in your grief. It helps ease the pain we feel in death. And truly, it's this hope that dissolves our fear of death. And the reason being, unlike sentiment or secular philosophy, Christian hope rests on the foundation of history. That Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago, was crucified by the Romans outside of Jerusalem, laid in a tomb, and three days later rose from the dead, is attested to by Christian, Jewish, and Roman historians of the time. The New Testament records that over 500 people saw the risen Lord Jesus with their own eyes. The Christian hope of resurrection life is not based on wishful thinking. It's not based on sentimentalism. It's not based on a philosopher's opinion or intellect. It rests on history. It is verifiable and has not been successfully refuted in 2,000 years. See, Paul, in verse 14 of Thessalonians chapter 4, declares that the Christian resurrection is made possible because of Christ's resurrection. Uh, let me just reread that verse. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Please hear God's word tonight. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ that God the Father is able to bring with him on that last day all those who have died in Christ. And this is consistent with the rest of the New Testament. And just briefly, in 1 John 1 verse 2, the Lord Jesus is described as the eternal life. The Lord Jesus, he is your eternal life and he shares with you the power of his resurrection. The writer to the book of Hebrews, he affirms in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 of his epistle that through Christ's death, he has freed us from two things. The power of death, praise be to God. 
<laughs> through, through Christ's sacrifice, his lifeblood shed, his willing obedience, he's entered into the heavenly realms, we read in Hebrews, and removed from the Father the presence of our sin through his lifeblood. And even the Holy Spirit, we're told in Hebrews chapter 10, testifies to this. So that he now frees us from that power of death when we die we will be with Christ but he not only frees us from the power of death the writer of Hebrews says but here it is the fear of death how wonderful so if, if this evening you are a Christian and you have a life limiting illness please take hold of the hope that is in the risen Lord Jesus Christ it is both right and proper to grieve Right? When we're dying, the reality is death will cut us off from everything we have in this world and everything we love. So we grieve, and rightly so, but we do not grieve as if there's no hope of life after death. Because while the shadow of death will come over you, it has no power to hold you. Do you remember in Psalm 23 how David there describes death? It's the valley of the shadow of death. Why does David describe death as a shadow? Because a shadow will come over you has absolutely no power to hold you. See, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, was, who died, was buried, and rose again, is the power of your life and resurrection. So while all of us will lose everything on earth, we will gain the blessing of heavenly glory. And if you are suffering a terminal or life-limiting illness, remember what the Apostle says in Philippians, you will be with Christ. When you die, you will see Jesus in his unobscured glory. Can you imagine that? The joy that awaits but also you will be presented to the Father as holy and blameless. No more experiencing the futility and the frustration of sin. What joy awaits you? Truly, what pleasure, what blessing awaits you? There's nothing I can compare on earth that awaits you in heaven. Christ is your hope and help as you suffer the pain that arises from the knowledge of your coming death. If today you are mourning and the grieving the loss of your Christian loved ones, and that grief runs very deep, please receive the hope that the Lord Jesus extends to you. The Christian dead are alive. More than this, truly what they've lost on earth through death piles in into a distant comparison to what they've gained in heavenly glory. Your hope and help in your pain of grief is the resurrection, both Christ's resurrection and yours, because on account of Jesus' resurrection, you too will be raised to new life. And one day, you will be with your loved ones who know the Lord. As Christians, we grieve because the pain of grief is deep. And truly, while there's no present cure for our grief, there's not a total cure. 
there is a future one. Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. See, this is a description of the new heavens and the new earth. And in fact, if you go back to Isaiah, he describes a very similar vision. But the way he describes it is that when Christ returns, none of us will be in need. The veil of darkness that we now live under will be lifted. Death will be no more. And in the most beautiful manner, he describes God the Father wiping every tear from all of our eyes, in a sense, individually. My sisters and brothers, yes, we grieve now. And yes, God helps us in our grief and eases the pain. But the day is coming when your grief will be no more. The day is coming where, where you will share perfect communion, not only with God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but he would have healed every pain you've experienced upon this earth. Death, grieving and pain will be banished forever. So I encourage you this afternoon, take heart. The day is coming when your pain will be no more. Your grief, once and for all, will be cured. And everything that is wrong now will be right. This is our hope. This is a glorious hope that helps us in our present grief. It's marvellous. Today, if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I want to ask you, please take just a moment to hear what God is saying to you in his word. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ that God the Father can not only forgive your sins, cleanse you of all your guilt, restore you in every way spiritually, but give you life after death. Your hope will never be found in worldly sentiment or philosophy. It is found in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived and died who rose again and at this moment is at the right hand of the Father, ministering and interceding on behalf of all his people and forever will. Come to this Lord Jesus Christ. Rest your faith in him. Believe that he is Lord over death and that he will share with you his resurrection power if you humble yourself before him. And be assured... The Lord Jesus Christ never turns away anyone who comes to him. In fact, the scripture teaches that Christ is always willing to forgive. The problem is we're not willing to ask. Friends, when we consider our own impending death, because we are dying, and the death of our loved ones who have died, I know that we can be overwhelmed with a feeling of hopelessness. But let me bear testimony. 
Faith in Christ alone counters such feelings. For he himself is the way through death. He has gone before you. He is the way to resurrection life. Use Christ as your way to everlasting life. But not only this, believe in Christ because he is the truth. I say this because it's true for me, but it's not just... It's not just my experience, it's what God tells us in his word. The truth of Christ, that is what satisfies your every need in understanding both life now and death forever. He satisfies the intellect of our mind. Believe in him as the truth. And live in Christ as the life. He is not only your resurrection, he is your forgiveness, he is your righteousness, he is your redemption, he is your wisdom. He is your counsel, your comfort. He is your everything. He has promised to give life freely to all who believe in him. And because he lives, you will live also. I know the pain of grief is ever so deep. But please hear God's word tonight. The hope that is in Jesus is far deeper. Let me pray. Father, we truly declare to you all glory, honour and praise to you, the almighty God. For no one has such love or poured such grace upon us in all of this world and beyond. And thank you that through your risen Son, you give to us such a hope that it affects not only the way we think, but our affections, our actions and our words and our every part of our being. And we ask this evening, please help us to believe your word to be true. Made by faith, we hold on to Christ, experiencing the hope he offers in death. Please lead us not to be those who seek to deny death or ignore death, but by faith in Christ, defy death in his victory. Lead us to live in the light of such peace and liberation, we pray. And we ask this in your name. Amen.